Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Last week, Judy Mark stopped me in the uh, gathering hall, and she reminded me that Martin Luther took his stand against the Roman church, which prompted the Reformation by nailing his 95 thesis on the wall at the Castle Church in Wittenberg, Germany. On October 31st, which is your favorite day, right? Of this year, it'll be the 500th anniversary of that occurrence. You may remember that Martin Luther was a lawyer and a Catholic priest and couldn't stand by idly while the Vatican issued decrees that were contrary to the word of God, like getting your relatives out of purgatory for a sum of money prescribed or a shorter sentence for your sins if you went there. He tried to reform the church from within, but it was to no avail. He was not complacent about his role in the church or concerned about himself, about his job security. He sacrificed his life and his career to defend the word of God and bring fresh air into the church. This leads me to the to our topic today, complacency in our midst. What is complacency? Well, it might be a sense of peace about a situation, or it could be contentment, acceptance of circumstances, or it could be an unwillingness to change behavior to improve situation when it's in your power to do so. Taking it easy while your brothers and sisters are struggling with life's curveballs. Not applying strength or energy to improve one's lot in life or someone else's. Some would call this laziness. This is definitely a character flaw, not a virtue. We should live life to the fullest, taking every opportunity to do the good for the kingdom of God, to show that we are Christians by our actions. We should work like everything depended upon us and pray like everything depended upon God. Plant the seed, someone else will water it, and God will provide the increase. Producing fruit is a partnership between God and man. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory, and according to his will and inexhaustible supply. We find that it's a paraphrase of four Philippians 4.19. Our forefathers believed God when he addressed them, and they responded to the call and had all their needs provided. They planted crops and he gave the increase. They faced enemies of much greater strength, but God delivered them from their oppressors. God did not call the qualified. He qualified the called. Adam was instructed to work hard in the fields for his daily bread, and God would give him food to eat. Noah was told to build an ark before he ever saw his first rainstorm to save his family. You talk about faith. He worked and he trusted God. David prayed constantly about his daily needs and for victory over his enemies and a few beasts too. When he determined to fight Goliath after the king could get no one to step up to the plate in the army, he armed himself and went prepared to do battle. He did not sit back 
and wait to see what God would do. His faith propelled him into action. He was not complacent. Nothing was ever mentioned in Scripture about Joshua taking it easy. He lived to be 110 years old, and Caleb was 85 when he and Joshua conquered the Canaanites. Imagine starting your military career at 85 or 110. (laughs) Moses was 120 when he died while he was still leading Israel. You think you're too old to work in the vineyard, on the farm, in the battlefield? Jeremiah didn't keep his mouth shut, even in the face of an enemy that was about to invade Israel and a hard-headed king that would not listen to the word of God. Word of God. He did not shrink from his responsibility, but suffered greatly at the hand of the king. He stepped out in faith and warned the people of the wrath to come by the hand of the Babylonians. He was rewarded with his own pit for a dwelling place for a very long time. Some of, some of his, the greatest achievements recorded in Scripture were accomplished by men, old men. But let's not forget the ladies. Ruth chose the tougher road when she decided to follow Naomi. She would have been much more comfortable in Moab with plenty to eat and hanging out with her own people. The woman at the well in John chapter 4 went and told the whole town what Jesus had done for her. She had met the Messiah and did not keep it to herself. She risked ridicule by the townspeople that knew her reputation already. Mary, Lazarus' sister, believed that Jesus could raise up her brother from the dead. Deborah served as a judge in Israel. Lydia served the believers of Philippi. All these were active in the faith and served the kingdom of God when it was dangerous to do so. Courage was always rewarded in the kingdom of God because God hates cowards. Isaiah responded to the call of God with, Here am I, when the Lord asked him who he would send as a prophet to speak to Israel. John the Baptist could have taken a much safer approach in proclaiming the gospel and softened his message and not lost his head. Jesus said in Revelation 3:16, I would have that you were hot or cold and not lukewarm. Hence, but if you are, I will spit you out of my mouth. If you are hot or cold for the gospel, God can still use you to preach, to teach, or to testify on how God used you afterward. If you are cold, he can use you as an example or as a warning to others. If you are hot, he can use your gifts to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. I don't know why I chose this topic to speak this morning, but I suspect it was necessary that I address my own struggle in life with this very issue. I find it easy to speak about matters that I've struggled with, and I'm preaching to myself. I spoke to, uh, to Henry about that the other day, and he says, Good topic. I said, well, I'm talking to myself. For 41 years, I've been involved in Christian service. But as I examine my life, I'm ashamed to say that the first 10 years of my life, 
I was very much committed to serving him with a passion. Lately, I find that plenty of activities distract me and consume my time. I don't have the same zeal. Maybe I got, I got too comfortable. When I was younger and struggled to put bread on the table to feed 11 mouths, I found strength in the Lord and depended on him for basic necessities. Later, as I achieved a degree of comfort, I forgot him. Oh, I, I still went to church and served on boards, but the fire in me had, for evangelism became duller. I tended to take the Lord for granted, and I needed to repent of this, and I have. Praise the Lord. We need to evaluate ourselves every now and then just to be sure we're still on track. Have you let your guard down and become complacent? Are you taking it easy now because you have paid your dues? Moses was called by God to lead his people out of Egypt at age 68. Abraham was 90 when he was called. He was 100 when he was tested by God to sacrifice his only son. He probably expected that he would be dead soon anyway. But yet he lived another 75 years guiding, protecting, and providing for his people. He did not compromise in his responsibilities. We thank God for the fathers of the faith and think of them as giants, but we see their humanity also. They were sinners just like us. David had Uriah murdered while he was at rest, who was his, one of his top generals. Well, he was taking it easy, and he lusted after Bathsheba, his wife. He let his guard down and suffered the consequences but God forgave him. Solomon was considered the wisest man alive, yet when he relaxed from building the temple and serving the Lord, his heart was consumed with lust for many women. He died serving the the gods of the Canaanites. This happened after many years of service to Yahweh. Anyone can fall. Peter denied Jesus three times after walking with him for three years. He took off his armor and thought he could defend Jesus with his courage and strength. He must have thought he was a Marine. Pride got the best of him and it can also get us also. Paul was called for the gospel initially, persecuting the church, then became hot when he was transformed by Jesus. He was always hot or cold. He was very intense until the end of his life. How many of you are willing to suffer for his sake? Like Paul, how committed are you? In Acts 19, which occurred around 54 AD, Paul was preaching to the Ephesians, and the Jewish exorcists were attacked by an evil spirit, and the people marveled and believed and burned their books and articles that were used to practice witchcraft. They were sold out to the gospel. When God calls us to himself and saves us, he wants us to be obedient to his word and not compromise, not sit back, not follow him halfway. We all may be accused for being accused of being unfaithful at times, but isn't he wonderful and faithful to forgive us our trespasses and cleanse us from all unrighteousness? That promise is in 1 John, which was read this morning, 1, 8, and 9. 
which says that if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us from all unrighteousness. In 1 Corinthians 2, 1, Paul states, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom and the demonstration of the power of the Spirit. That is a real long sentence. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul goes on to say that our faithfulness, our commitment to Jesus, is possible only through the power and grace of God. It baffles us that the worldly mind cannot understand the things of the Spirit of God. Yet we were there at one time, weren't we? One can only receive these truths by his grace. He has to open our minds and our hearts. Millions of martyrs down through the centuries have held on to their faith, even to the point of death. Would you be willing to do the same? You may be required to do so in the future. Do you think you could pass the test? What will you do when the mark of the beast is mandated? When they put it in in vaccinations and say you have to take it? Adrian Rogers, who was a wonderful radio preacher many years, just passed away a couple of years ago, said, the difference between the Antichrist and Christ is that one gives you a number and the other gives you a name. When Jesus comes, will your name be called? Or will your number be up? Some tests have come your way, haven't they? Did you fall apart and drop the ball? You passed, didn't you? With the Lord's help. Because you are truly born again, you sense the Holy Spirit guiding you and delivering you. How do you normally prepare for a test? Well, how do you prepare for an endurance race? You run a little at a time and build up gradually. When preparing for a marathon, which is 26.2 miles, one should work up to a 3K first, then a 10K, then a half a marathon, which is 13.1 miles. Then you might be able to finish that marathon. We need to take baby steps. Then as we grow, we can handle more and tougher challenges. This is the same with our Christian walk and unlearning the word of God. We learn the scriptures line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, until we become mature in the faith. We learn to overcome minor obstacles and then bigger and bigger ones. Depending upon your source, the number of martyrs between the years 33 AD and 1900 AD were estimated to be between 14 and 70 million people. And persecution is now on the increase in many parts of the world. This church supports uh, Voice of the Martyrs, and a number of you are probably familiar with that that ministry. You read stories there, it will just break your heart. The 20th century had more martyrs than all the centuries combined since Christianity first became known in the first century. The Las Vegas massacre last week was blamed on the Christian right by the liberal media. 
The shooter didn't practice any religion according to his family, yet they point the finger at the Christians. It seems that the Christian faith has always been an easy target. Paul in his flesh was zealous for the law, which could not save, and zealous for capturing the lawbreakers, bringing them to justice and putting them to death. He later became zealous for the gospel when he was indwelt by the Holy Spirit. It's no wonder that John the Apostle wrote in Revelation 3.16 of the Laodicean church, which was a lukewarm church, and chastised it. In fact, he said that Jesus would spit it out of his mouth if they continued to be lukewarm. We are to bear one another's burdens, as in Galatians 1.6, and fulfill the law of God. Don't just sit there. Do something. Make a difference. Let your deeds demonstrate your love for God and your conversion from death to life. Regardless of your age, get to work. The night is coming when no man can work. Bear some fruit. Witness. Write a note. Make a meal. Extend love and comfort to those who are hurting or sick or alone. We can all do something to ease someone's suffering. We can be the arms and legs of Jesus and show his love to hurting souls. Go forth into all the world and make a difference in someone's life. Let's pray. Lord God, you have loved us in so many ways. Help us to give back some of that love that you've shown us to others around us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.